We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of Best of Everything with Michaela Bennett. Michaela gets you up to date on all the latest news and storylines from all of our shows on KCSN. Whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, KU, K-State, Mizzou, Sporting KC, or the KC Current, Michaela has you covered. Best of Everything is proudly presented by Charlie Hustle, your go-to when needing some new gear for any of your favorite local teams. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything from the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network of 2022. And now, the latest episode of Best of Everything. This is the Best of Everything, and we have a lot to talk about this week. First off, this is presented by Charlie Hustle, and I'm wearing the so soft, so comfy Charlie Hustle Kansas City Sports Network hoodie. It is seriously one of the softest articles of clothing I've ever worn in my life. So definitely check them out. But we have a lot to talk about. Chiefs this week, college football. We had border war last week with Mizzou and KU hoops. But let's rewind a little bit. The Chiefs just defeated the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, which it was an ugly game. The Chiefs were up 27 to zero and all of a sudden let the Broncos come back into it. Now, it was just... That is not who the Chiefs are. That is not what they, that was not their best. And we all know that. But on one-on-one this week, former Chiefs, Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito sit down to talk about this win against the Broncos. Should they be worried that it was, you know, they gave up a 27-point lead for the Broncos to get right back into it? Should it, should we be concerned going forward? Or was this just kind of a tricky game coming off a rough loss against the Bengals and just kind of looking ahead to see we got to get to the playoffs? What should we take coming from this game? The biggest thing being sort of being up 27 to nothing and then Denver coming back. Now, yeah. I have my thoughts on this. Big picture, I'm not too worried. But why don't we start with you, Big Jeff? What do you think? Is this is this something that we should be worried about? Uh, what, what's going on here? I'll start out by saying it's not a big deal. So everybody relax. Right. right. But I love the I love the enthusiasm. I love the standard. Um, the bar is high in Kansas City now. It is. And and it's not just about winning games. It's about winning games in the fashion that you should win them when you're playing bad football teams. Right. Especially with what we're trying to do. And I think the biggest disappointment. Um, not only from the fans, but um, was just how sloppy we were offensively. And, and it, Patrick was the first person to raise his hand and, and take the blame. 
um, with some of the turnovers. But I think it's been a theme throughout the season, it's particularly on the edges with, um, with a little bit of pressure. And I think we can get a little bit better on that, that end of it. But with all that being said, this is a great football team, Super Bowl mm. caliber football team. Mm. It's tough to win games in this league, even with some of the worst teams. The worst teams on a good day can beat you. And right. Russ looked really good that game defensively. Um, we could have done some things here and there, but they did a really good job um, mm. given the circumstances and the situations they were put in from due to the offense. Well, yes, there are a lot of teams that could defeat the best teams. And there's a lot of kind of average football this year. There's a lot of teams that are up and down. There's a lot of mediocre teams or teams that are really inconsistent and we don't really know who they truly are. I think that's a lot of that in the NFL right now. But we had a big matchup last weekend in Mizzou and KU Hoops in the border war. And it was also an ugly game. At least if you're a Mizzou fan, it was an ugly game. And Tucker, Gabe DeArmond, and Maggie Johnson sat down on Mizzou That Too to talk about just that. The game, Mizzou's letdown, and what they can take away from this game going forward the rest of hoop season. It's a disappointing game all around. Gabe, Maggie, both were in attendance. Uh, Gabe, I'll start with you. Immediate thoughts uh, after that game. Um, well, the first, like the 90 minutes leading up to the game was awesome. Like you could legitimately hear like the stampede of the students coming in the door and, and running down the steps. And, you know, they, they, they did like a practice round of Mr. Brightside when KU came on the floor for warmups and Truman came down from the rafters and you could close your eyes and pretend you were back in the Hearn center. And it was 1998. And then uh, KU missed two layups and Missouri was ahead four two. And then KU missed again like 23 minutes later one time, and that was okay. Um, everything in between there, not great. It got to, I think, 12 to 6, I think is what yeah. the score was. And I was like, like this is bad. I mean, and it was just, it was just swish three, swish yeah. three. And I mean, you felt the deflation in the stadium. I mean, there was nothing you could do. Like Gabe said, it was amazing. I got there probably an hour before tip, like 50 minutes or so. And it was awesome. And the students looked hyped. And I was like, this is going to be the craziest environment that Kansas has ever played in. It's going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. It was. Yeah, like Gabe said, it was. It was. <laughs> three minutes. It, 40. Or okay, for an hour. It was awesome. Right. I mean, it, well, in the crowd, I mean, Missouri got back within 15 with seven minutes left. And that crowd, like you would have thought it was a tie game for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a spot in the final four. I mean, they tried. Um, but I thought the atmosphere helped Kansas and it hurt yeah. Missouri. I, I mean, like the the best answer after the game, somebody asked Dewan Harris, you know, uh, about the atmosphere. And he said, and he didn't say it as an insult. He said, I mean, I played in the national title game with 70,000 people last year. And, you know, Kevin McCuller's been in a Final Four. And Kansas gets that environment a lot. And Bill is really good at getting his team up for a game like that. I mean, yeah. if you look over his entire career, like, hey, they might lose at Iowa State sometime. They might lose at Missouri, whatever. But if it comes down to a game where you go, look, they've got to be up. They're, they're almost always up. 
I mean, they don't lose games like that. And even if they lose, they play really, really well. Well, Mizzou may have been at a little bit of a disadvantage there because Kansas, I mean, they just won the national title last year. And they are so used to those huge environment games, those big up for it all the time games with a lot of energy, very loud crowds. And Mizzou Arena was kind of bumping last week. So maybe it was a disadvantage for Mizzou or maybe Kansas is just that good. Well, talking about a little bit of a home field advantage as well, we had the one and only Derek Johnson on the defensive breakdown this week to talk about the Chiefs defense. Because who better than former Chief Derek Johnson to talk about the Chiefs defense and what the Chiefs did right versus the Broncos and what they can do better. Now, he talks a lot about you just got to win your matchup. And maybe that was his mindset whenever he played as a chief. And I think it worked really well for him, if so. And they break down this one play where it really shows that the Chiefs, everyone won their battle. Chiefs have a chance to wrap up seven straight AFC West titles. I mean, it, man, you you played for a while. You, you got yourselves a couple of those. Can you imagine winning seven straight and, and how that would go for you guys. You know what? At the beginning of the year, uh, every coach I've been a part of, from, from Dick Vermeil to, um, um, to Herm Edwards to uh, Todd Haley to, um, to um, Romeo Cornell to Andy Reid, my last five years with the Chiefs, I tell you what, that's the, um, that's the goal every year to win the division. Regardless of anything, whatever you want to do, go to the Super Bowl and all that stuff, but you got to win your division. You got to take care of that. And the Chiefs have been doing a really, really good job at that every single year. That's it's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it's it's harder to do once you up there like that because everybody's shooting at you. Everybody's going to give you their best game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my hats off to Andy Reid and, um, and and what the Chiefs have done seven straight years. Yeah, seven straight. That's really impressive. It's uh, like I can't quit saying it because it is <laughs> it's ridiculous how. I mean, that's, that's unheard of in the NFL. Parity reigns supreme. Like, you see how these divisions all shake up every single year. So, hats off to Andy. Hats off to all of them. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs' defense in some short yardage situations. Um, they've actually been really good at, you know, coming up with stops, coming up with scenarios that get them off the field or, you know, create a turnover, whatever the case may be. We saw one of those in Den- against Denver this week that we will kind of finish on. But we'll dive right in here. We're going to start with some plays against the run. This first one here is against the Chargers. This is a third and two on this play, and it really starts up front. Chris Jones wrecking the play there. I know we talk about him all the time, but my goodness, being able to dip underneath here, take on the polling blocker and kind of blow this up really does the work up front for this team. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you have any kind of penetration from the, uh, from the inside interior defense alignment, it kills plays every single time. The offensive set, uh, a really good offense is like, Hey, we can, ha- we cannot have any penetration because it messes up everything. It messes because this guy that's pulling around, 71 is pulling around. He's mm-hmm. pulling around for a linebacker. He's pulling around for somebody and he can't get around and everybody is free. And I tell you what, man, everybody's just taking on block. I mean, from uh from Justin Reed to I mean that's a yeah. great play on the outside, by the way. Uh yeah. but uh, for everybody to be just just 
all in and being able to win your one-on-one -on -one matchups. That's uh, when I was in the NFL, that's the biggest thing you have to do. You have schemes here and there and certain things that work all a lot and you have success here and there. But if you can't win your one-on-one -on -one matchups, you're going to have a hard time. And right here, uh, I think everybody's <laughs> just about everybody is winning their one-on-one -on -one matchup, which, which tells you that we're dominating on this play. Well, speaking of winning your matchup, Kansas State football has done just that this year as they won the Big 12 championship and defeated the TCU Horned Frogs. On 3MA this week, John Derrick and Cole sat down with Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor to talk about K-State football and their postseason. Now, K-State is not in the college football playoffs. But they're in a bowl game, and they will be playing Alabama. And Gene talks about the playoff committee and what they really thought of K-State. Yes, they just beat TCU, and TCU is in the college football playoff. Kansas State just won the Big 12 championship. So what was kind of swirling around the college football playoff committee whenever they were talking about voting and talking about who really deserves in the top four spots for the college football playoff? Well, Gene, how much how much respect was there for K State and the uh, the playoff discussion uh, with the committee? That is not necessarily for the playoff, but it, it seemed like K State was they were the highest ranked three loss team throughout much of the process. And so, I'm just curious what what you heard um, and what your uh, colleagues were saying about Kansas State in that room. Well, you know, obviously, I wasn't in there when they talked about Kansas State because I have to leave. Uh, but as we talked about TCU and as we talked about Tulane, quite frankly. Uh, you know, originally the Tulane loss was a bit of a detriment uh, in the conversations, but as their season went along and TCU season went along and how we played against uh, TCU, even though we, we lost that first uh, regular season game, that respect continued to grow. And then what you really hear from this committee, particularly some of the folks that, are, that have either coached football or played football, was how we played our games. They talked about you know, we're, we don't make mistakes. We don't hurt ourselves. We're well coached. We, we play hard. You know, they like some of our, you know, our star players, you know, the Deuce Fawns of the world and the Will Howard story and you know, even Adrian and, and the fact that we've overcome. So those are the kinds of things you hear about the kind of team we are. And I think that helped propel us up the, the rankings throughout the course of the year. And then obviously, if you think about how TCU finished in third, was they lost, but they lost to a really good Kansas State team. And they didn't get blown out, um, like, unfortunately, like USC did. You saw USC drop, but you, uh, TC was able to stay where they were. So a lot of respect in the room generally for the Big 12, but specifically for, for us and TCU. Well, a lot of respect for the Big 12, indeed, and a lot of respect for also Kansas Jayhawk football. On Booth Review this week, Ken Swanson sat down with Brendan McAnderson to talk about Kansas football. Now, Brandon is a former Jayhawk himself, and he is also a Lawrence native. So being a Lawrence native, what does Kansas football mean to him? And years later, how has it impacted his life? Well, he sits down and talks about that, talks about his time at Kansas and how being 
bowl eligible this year for the Jayhawks is a huge deal for not only Kansas fans, but former Kansas players as well. They are, there's so much pride in being a Jayhawk. And he really talks about how people still to this day, remember things that he did whenever he was a player at Kansas and how this new Lance Leipold team is just really changing the momentum, changing the, the talk around Kansas football right now. Yeah, you've kind of got a unique story, right? Because, you know, you're a Lawrence kid. There's some news today or, you know, this week about a Lawrence kid uh, making a making a commitment flip from Baylor to Kansas. Uh, sounds like Calvin Clements is uh, heading to heading to uh, to Kansas for staying home. Yeah. How you're you stuck. You stayed home. What yeah. what can Calvin what can Calvin Clemens expect? And he can expect to ease into the process you know, to be fully supported, because let me tell you, college is hard. <laughs> Your first year of college is hard. That's without playing football. <laughs> Just college itself is hard. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have a, a leg up in terms of having a real, you know, his family support system and to be able to, to be a part of school and have a bad day and like go home. You know, like I, I remember having bad days where I'm like, man, am I cut out for this? Is, is this too physical? Am I in good enough shape? And I can go home and like talk to my dad and uh, listen to why he thinks I, I'm, you know, what I can do better and, you know, what, what I'm, where I'm weak at and where, where my mind's at. So that support system is awesome. And then beyond that, the town cares about you, constantly cares about you. When I wasn't playing, I was getting a full page article in the Lawrence Journal World. And they're like, you know what, Brandon's just keeping on, keeping on. You know, there was, there was no update. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was cool that uh, the city cared and uh, that's carried over. You know, it's carried over. So many people have come up to me and said, man, you gave me your gloves when I was six and it made my day. And these kids are in high school and college now. Or, you know, I used to get Facebook messages from people. Now they're grown men and they're messaging me now like, man, that was awesome. And I was so happy. I saw you play at X, Y, Z. So I think the best part about playing at Kansas is it's forever, especially when you're local. So Calvin Clements is going to be forever for someone. You know, my I have a seven-year-old son. He might want to be, you know, he's running around throwing the football saying, oh, Devin Neal, you know, like that's cool. And that's mm -hmm. what's cool about being a Lawrence native. That's what's cool about staying home. And uh, that's what's cool about keeping a four-star player that's going to be big time uh, in a Jayhawk uniform. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Well, Kansas football has definitely stepped up this year. And on 21 questions this week, the guys answered exactly that. 21 questions. But one of the biggest questions they had was, who on the Chiefs needs to step up the most? Or who, if they stepped up, would make the most difference for the Chiefs, offense and defense? And the guys give their answers and some very in-depth answers to look ahead the rest of the season to see who could really make a big impact if they really stepped up the rest of the way. What player on offense and defense need to step up to help the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Craig, I'll let you, I'll let you open this one up. All right. Um, on offense, it's got to be one of these tertiary wide receivers. Um, I think we know that Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster are going to put up some pretty good stats. I think those are the two guys that are going forward, and the rushing attack looks like it's something that might have a little bit of juice to it. But if a guy like Kadarius Tony, a guy like Nicole Hardman, or a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling stepped up in a measurable way, like where we're talking about him in a big way, then this offense did something really, really right. And I think that that's, that's going to be the key because I don't know that there's one individual defensive piece just to kind of streamline into that. Everybody needs to step up a little bit more. But if we're talking about that tertiary wide receiver, then all of a sudden I think we're talking about an offense that did some serious damage in the playoffs. Uh, I think Orlando Brown Jr. for me, oh, you know, it's yeah. kind of been up and down for him. And this has been a, a pretty uh, – it, it's, it's been a very – I don't tumultuous isn't the right word. It's just been a very inconsistent contract year for him. And if he plays well against elite pass rushers down the stretch, that's going to help him get paid. That's going to help this team win a Super Bowl because the protection there, you feel good about the interior guys. I mean, Andrew Wiley is kind of the weak link on this in this group as it is. But you know, if you can navigate one guy over on and pat Mahomes front side, I think you can live with that. Uh, so Orlando Brown for me on offense, defense. Who you got, Craig? I mean, on defense, uh, man, any one of the pass rushers not named Chris Jones. Chris mm-hmm. Jones is having a phenomenal year. Uh, if George Karloftis or Carlos Dunlap or Frank Clark steps up their game, basically takes it up double what we've seen so far, it gives you that true second option. We've seen what happens when teams decide to i i got ready to say are forced to not double team chris jones but at this point they're just actively deciding not to double team chris jones and it's bad like it's really bad chris wrecks teams that way so they need somebody that can draw more double teams draw more focus if you've got a bad tackle they need one of these guys to be able to force help that direction so that chris jones sees more one-on-ones because then all of a sudden you got two guys that can win there's a lot of guys that could step up for the Chiefs this year, but on outside the trenches this week, Hucker sits down and really talks about other teams in the NFL. And Nick Lucky and him really discuss, one, the San Francisco 49ers, but also the NFC and kind of what playoffs are going to look like for the NFL as a whole. You know, the AFC has the Bills, the Chiefs, the 
Bengals, maybe they have the Dolphins. There's a few teams that are kind of fighting for the number one spot, number one seed, but the NFC has a lot more to shake up. The Eagles are in, the San Francisco 49ers are good, but there's a lot of teams that are kind of, you know, riding that wave of will they get to the playoffs? Like I said earlier, a lot of inconsistent teams right now. And on outside the trenches, they talked about just that and what playoffs are going to look like going forward specifically for the NFC. I'm more impressed as the year goes on by the Chiefs win over the 49ers um, and how they kind of make the 49ers look like a peewee squad. They look like a Pop Warner team. I think they, were missing, they were missing a lot of games, though. That was not the real. That's that was fair. not the real. And it was McCaffrey's first week, right? Yep. So they really hadn't figured it out yet. And then did Jimmy G get hurt, right? So Jimmy G, right? Not even. No, he, I he was playing. He was there. I think Jimmy G was still playing, and Jimmy G was was fully healthy. George Kittle was fully healthy. They did get some of their guys back because uh, I remember there was a few guys on the injury report that they did get back. But you're right; they they didn't have they probably weren't as full strength as they're not. They're they not. Now. They were a tiger with like half its jaw missing. Like they were not the the Niners who are like the the Bosa McDonald, like those guys who were just absolute demons on the field, man. Like that's, I think both. I think Bosa left that game early too, if I remember yeah, correctly. Um, I, I could see that, but yeah. So it was like, oh, yeah, that you, you have to, you have to, not you have to put that one to the side. You can't put that in the official stat book because that's not the same Niners team that's right now. That was yeah. I'm curious too, just like with the NFC and everything like that. I don't think the NFC, the NFC is obviously not as good as the AFC. Um, you're yes. gonna see, a, you're gonna see a team that is under 500 make the playoffs for the uh, <laughs> NFC. I'm sure of it. Whether it's uh, the the winner of the NFC South is probably gonna be under 500 because all those teams kind of stink. Yeah. Um, but no, that's a really good question about where the loss comes, and if they do get a loss, it, it I wouldn't be shocked if the Broncos get them. Honestly. Um, I know they haven't they haven't lost to the Broncos in 14 straight times now, but like uh, that game's at home though, and so like that's the thing is that like you look at a lot of these games, it's very favorable for the Chiefs. A lot it, of the it, it's very it's favorable. Too perf- it's too perfect because, like I said, you get Seattle in Kansas City. Yeah. Like different story if you gonna you, know, you got to go play up in Seattle. That's that's a really that's like Arrowhead. That's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. It's a super tough place to play. So it's like, so you get them, you know, late in the season and then, yeah, but the divisional ones, man, those are, those are fl- fluky, man. And you know what, you know, the bummer part, even if you make it through unscathed, they're going to expose some late weaknesses because, you know, mm-hmm. divisional opponents, you know, each other really, really well. <coughs> so you're going to, you're going to put some shit on tape where teams are going to see that and they're going to go, okay, we can exploit this. We can, let, let's see what Denver did right here when they're pass rushing or, or how they would load up three guys over the right guard tackle and like outside and yep. rush, rush one. So they're, they're going to be some stuff where I'm like, okay, you better stop this because <coughs> it could cause trouble in playoffs. Absolutely. And we talked about, I had the schedule pulled up. It was that loss to the Titans I was thinking of in 2019 where they, they lost the Titans in week 10 and they didn't lose again. But I guess one of those losses where you're like, oh, that kind of wakes you up a little bit. Um, and I think that Chiefs lost to the Bengals could kind of serve as that, right? Um, as yeah. a little wake-up call. But definitely playing a team close, coming off of a, an emotional loss to the Bengals. Then they had to go to a divisional game that, that could have been easily looked over. 
didn't probably didn't play a full 60. Hey, you know, the next time the Chiefs play a full 60 minutes of football will be the first time they play a full 60 minutes of football. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, was I, mean, like, I was like, you better say what I'm going to think you're going to say. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of people are like, ah, oh, if they play full, that doesn't happen. You don't, I, I'm, I'm convinced can't. that you don't play a full, you can't play a full 60. Like, it's just not one of those things that's really achievable. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs will head to Houston, Texas to take on the Texans Sunday afternoon with a 12 p.m. kickoff. And it will be Patrick Mahomes' first time playing an NFL game in Texas, his home state. But the Texans, uh, they are 1-11-1. So it should be a very good game for the Chiefs. It should be a very easy win. It should be. Now, the Chiefs have a very hard time playing 60 minutes of solid football. And maybe no team can do that. Maybe no team in the NFL can do that. It's not being done right now. There's a lot of changes going on in NFL as far as practices go, how much time you can spend in pads, how much time you can spend in training camp before the season, et cetera. So there, that might be a factor into why football's a little sloppy right now. But the Chiefs can go in and take care of business. They have what it takes to go in there, put the pedal to the metal, and just blow out the Texans. And on Casey Lab this week, Kent, Craig, and Matt talked about the Chiefs' defense and Spagnolia's defense, actually, and what they need to do to take care of business in Houston. And the Chiefs really need to get some turnovers, and the defense can do that this week, hopefully. You know, the Texans are a little bit chaotic right now. They don't really have a true quarterback after Deshaun Watson went to the Browns, and there's just a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty in the offense for Houston. So the Chiefs defense should take care of business and take that to their advantage. But Casey Ladd breaks it all down on what we can expect or what we should expect this week against the Texans. The reason you play two quarterbacks is because you have none. And so that's really what it boils down to. The Chiefs with their defensive personnel, regardless of what you think of them, regardless of what you think of Steve Spagnuolo, still have the better personnel on the field. When It doesn't matter who the quarterback is they still have the better personnel on the field so line up and beat them at their own game there's only so much they can do with either one of those guys just don't let the fact that two quarterbacks out there is going to cause you a little extra work a little extra stress or extra calls on the field because you can beat them regardless of which one is taking the snap i've been letting you cook this whole time but did you say Taysom molehill yes i did 100% dead. <laughs> but I I don't understand that reference. He's, he's Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill's a little bit too big. A mole hill is much smaller. Okay. All right. Mound. Taysom, Taysom Mound. Taysom Mound. Taysom Ant Hill. Taysom, Mount Taysom. Taysom Western Kansas. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> what? Let's talk about turning the Texans over. Look, we talked about the we talked about the flip side of this. Hey, like the only thing that can keep the Texans in this game probably is if they turn the Chiefs over. Well, I want to see the Chiefs get their hands on the football a little bit. Craig said it. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Uh they don't have their best running back. Go turn this team over. Make some plays on the football. Get some confidence and play with some confidence this week, Matthew then what is that right like what what is that for the chiefs like that's 
that's not how this team is built or playing at least right now, right? That's not what they do. They too often, I think even just when you watch the defensive backs, right? Your safeties aren't driving on stuff. I, I don't even want to say they're not driving aggressively, but they don't seem to be playing with that instinctive mindset where they just kind of know what's going to happen. So they're, they're getting there early. They're reacting and Thornhill at times, Justin Reed, these guys will fly downhill. They will fly to the ball, but they're not seeing it early enough or they just don't innately know that it's happening. So they're still going to be late all the time. So yeah, maybe they can break a pass up. Maybe they can come up and make a big hit or a stop, but they're not ever in a position to really to really jump the route. Then you look outside at the cornerbacks. Young guys, Trent McDuffie's playing well, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, they're playing okay, but you're still a little concerned about the ball skills for the two later round rookies and Watson and Williams, like their tracking ability over the shoulder, their ability to play the ball downfield isn't superb. And Trent McDuffie, well, I don't think I've had any issues with him playing the ball. He's still small. Like he still has to find a way to go up out of his way and beat a guy that's going to be bigger than him for the football. So whether or not he's playing it well or not, there is still a limitation there. And then it also doesn't help when the ball hits him in the face and he doesn't catch it. Like they don't have the guys producing producing turnovers. They just don't. They don't have the guys that play that way on the back end of their defense. Their linebackers, Nick Bolton, even on his best day, is not a dynamic coverage player at a linebacker. Even on his best game when he's playing exceptionally well, that's just not his game. He's not going to be manning up on a tight end. He's not going to be driving on passes over the middle of the field and making plays in the ball. Good ball skills when it's near him, actually. That's something he does really well. It's just he struggles to get to the ball at times because that's not his game. And then Willie Gay spends half his time, not really, it's like one or two series off the field. And we have seen he is the one linebacker, the one guy on this team that seems to consistently make a play on the ball. So I don't know. The Texans will give you an opportunity, but why are we still expecting it? I guess is my, Craig, tell me why I should expect a turnover. Because that's how Spags' defenses have typically worked. I mean, <laughs> because we want them to work that way. I mean, that's really what it's boiled down yeah. to. And yes, you can expect you can hope for certain things from the Chiefs but a lot of times it just comes down to each game on its own and the Chiefs they're expected to win this one but maybe we'll see a turnover maybe we'll see a different high energy game by the Chiefs where the defense takes care of business they get a lot of turnovers the offense just puts them away and we have Maybe even the backups come in. Maybe we'll see Patrick Mahomes sitting on the bench in the second half because the Chiefs are up by so much and we just need to rest him. That would be great. I think that would be amazing right now this time of year. But never really know with the NFL. Like Jeff Allen said earlier in the show, the worst teams can beat the best teams sometimes, especially whenever the best teams aren't focused. And I think right now this is a really big game for the Chiefs to just focus. They've had a rough couple couple of weeks, the loss to the Bengals and the win over the Broncos, but it was an ugly win. This game is really go in, take care of business. It is the Texans and move on. And the Chiefs should really focus on that get it done, and move forward. But we will have a lot to talk about next week. We still have bowl season here, and we have the Kansas City Chiefs heading to Texas. This is the best of everything, and I'm your host, Michaela Bennett. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. 
Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.